0: Welcome to the Mark Driscoll Ministries podcast. To find more Bible teaching from Pastor Mark, visit markdriscoll.org. Thank you for listening and being a part of Mark Driscoll Ministries. And remember, it's all about Jesus. Well, howdy, my name is Pastor Mark Driscoll and I want to wish you a very happy Easter. I am the senior pastor of the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona, right off the 101 in the entertainment district. My wife, Grace, and our five children. We started the church a little over three years ago Typically, on Easter Sunday, we'd be meeting in the building and throwing a big Welcome Back Jesus Party. But of course, with global events, we are unable to do so this year. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity to give you some good news as you've been flooded with bad news, to give you some hope as you've probably been struggling with some fear and anxiety, and to share with you the global cure that we all need to defeat death. His name is Jesus Christ. And uh, as we prepare for our time together, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is really who you need what you need in this season and on the other side. His life is amazing, epic, and unparalleled. In the history of the world, no one has left the impact or legacy that Jesus has. He lived roughly 2,000 years ago. He came from a poor family. His parents were probably teenagers. He never traveled more than a few hundred miles from his home. His resume is rather simple. He never held a political office. He never owned much wealth. Yet in his wake, we have Christianity, the largest movement of any kind in the history of the world. More songs have been sung to him, more paintings painted of him, more books written regarding him than anyone who has ever lived in the history of the world. In addition, we measure time by the life of this man, Jesus Christ, into B.C., which means before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. We literally set time by his life and legacy. The biggest two holidays, well, It's Christmas where we celebrate his birth and Easter where we celebrate his resurrection. And that is exactly what we are doing today. And I wanna thank you for allowing me to teach you about him. Now, one thing you need to know or you may not know about Jesus is that, of course, there are many major world religions, but there is only one religion that has the founder stating that he is, in fact, the only God. No other major world religion has a founder declaring themselves to be God. Jesus said this openly, publicly, repeatedly, and as a result, he was harassed for it. He was ultimately arrested, tried, and sentenced to death. The reason that Jesus died, make no mistake, is because he said that he was the only God. The story of Christianity is that then he came back from death, resurrected. Resurrection means that someone was physically alive, then dead for a period of time, then returned to life, never to die again. And that's exactly what we celebrate on Easter. And that's what I want to talk about today. And let's just be honest. Lately, we're getting a lot of bad news and we're not sure which news is true. I wanna tell you some good news about Jesus, and I want you to know that that news is entirely true. I'm gonna give you 20 reasons to believe in Jesus' resurrection. I've gotta move fast, but I'm excited, so we'll get there. Number one, Jesus' resurrection was prophesied or promised or predicted in advance. In the Bible, 1,000 years before Jesus was born, a book was written called the Psalms. It says this in Psalm 1610, You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. The Bible said that one person would be holy. The one who would be holy is Jesus Christ, and that though he would die, he would rise, and his body would not be left in the grave. This was promised a thousand years in advance. In addition, Jesus Christ, while on the earth, predicted his own resurrection from death. I'll read it to you. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 says Jesus began to teach them that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. It was the religious leaders who put Jesus to death. You may be thinking that I want you to convert to some religion quite frankly, I do not. I want to introduce you to a person that you can have a relationship with. His name is Jesus Christ. And he knew exactly why he had come from heaven to earth. And that was to live without sin, to die for your sin and to rise to be your savior. And right now you need to know that Jesus loves you, that Jesus has a plan for you, that Jesus has a future for you, that Jesus has a hope for you. That right now, the whole globe is wondering what happens on the other side of death. And Jesus told us that he would cross over death and come back to inform us of what awaits us on the other side, namely a never ending relationship with him. Number three, Jesus died. He was crucified between two thieves. This was the Roman mode of execution. Once he was declared dead by a leader who was a soldier, they took a spear, they ran it under his rib cage, it punctured his heart sack so that water and blood flowed from his side. Following that, they wrapped him in burial linens and cloths, kind of like a mummified state, and put his body in a rock tomb without any medical care or attention for days. All of that to say, Jesus Christ lived, Jesus Christ died. His tomb was also well known. Everyone knew where the body was laid. This is because the tomb that Jesus was buried in was actually not his, he was a poor man. And there was a friend of his named Joseph of Arimathea who was a more affluent and well-known public figure. That man gifted to Jesus post-mortem his burial tomb. This would have been like your home if you own it. It would have been a piece of land that was registered publicly as an asset. And as a result, the government knew where it was. They in fact set a soldier on site and put him there to guard the tomb and to put the seal of the Roman government over the entrance to ensure that no one tampered with Jesus' dead body. In addition, the owner of that plot, Joseph of Arimathea, he knew exactly where it was because it was his possession. And we see on Sunday morning, Easter morning, as the sun arose, as it is right now, those who love Jesus went there to commemorate his life and to grieve at his graveside. In addition, number five, Jesus' tomb was found by women. This may be a bit controversial, but. In the days of the New Testament, women were not regarded in Roman culture as equal citizens to men. As a result, they could not oftentimes testify in court. Therefore, what we see is in the morning that Jesus rose from death, as the sun arose, the Son of God arose, and the first to arrive at the tomb, according to the historical record, were in fact women. This is a key bit of information because their testimony would not have been as highly regarded as a man and possibly or probably not accepted in a court of law. The result being, if the story of Jesus' resurrection was fabricated, if it was myth, legend, fable, folklore, it would not have been told in that way because that would have not been the most compelling way to create the narrative in that day. In addition, Jesus' disciples, number six, they went from cowards to courageous. While Jesus is alive on the earth, the disciples, his followers, they were cowardly. There was a man named Thomas who was known as a doubter. And all his doubts were answered when he saw Jesus alive and well, risen from death, bearing the marks of crucifixion in his resurrected body. In addition, the leader of Jesus' disciples was a man named Peter. And while Jesus was alive, he was such a coward that he actually denied knowing Jesus Christ. Following Jesus' resurrection from death, Peter was totally transformed. He became not a coward, but a man of courage. Later in his life, they came to him and said, you denied Jesus when you were younger, you need to deny him now that you are older, otherwise we are going to put you to death. And Peter with courage declared that he was not worthy to die like his Lord and that he instead asked to be hung upside down. How does someone go from coward courage if you're fearful of death and no longer fear death it is because jesus conquered death and it has no longer any grip of fear on you that is the testimony of the disciples in addition number seven jesus appeared to crowds upwards of 500 people after jesus died was buried and rose all public events 1 Corinthians 15, one of the earliest written books of the New Testament tells us that he appeared over the course of 40 days. He had breakfast with people, you could come give him a hug. He was available to answer questions and crowds upwards of 500 at one time saw him very much alive, risen from death. This was a public fact and this is historical reality. Uh, In addition, number eight, Jesus' followers remain loyal to him. Now throughout his life and ministry, and he died in his early 30s, Jesus' followers were devoted to him. But you would assume that if he was arrested, tried, and murdered in the most painful and brutal and shameful public way, that those who were following him would disperse and disband, that they would no longer be loyal and devoted to him. The exact opposite happened. Christianity exploded and grew. There would be no reason for the legacy of a dead man to be global 2,000 years later unless he alone had conquered sin and death. In addition, Jesus' tomb was not enshrined. And this is significant and important. Even on my drive here uh, to shoot this sermon for you on Easter, I drove a memorial on the side of the road. Driving by that memorial, it reminds us that someone passed there and that others love them and are commemorating their passing. This is what we do. We visit the gravesite of those we love. We leave things like flowers or candles or letters to sort of have a grieving process and to leave our respects with them. Uh, There is a historian who says that in the days of Jesus, there were 50 holy men who were enshrined in and around the region that Jesus died yet there was no shrine to Jesus. To this day, other world religions have major shrines dedicated to their dead founder. I'll give you some example. Um, Judaism was founded by Abraham. We know that he is buried in Jerusalem. Uh, Buddhism was founded by Buddha, and we know that he is buried in India. Uh, Islam was founded by Muhammad and he is buried in Medina. How do we know this? There are shrines there. These are holy sites that people who are devoted to those religions make pilgrimages to every year, yet we don't know where Jesus' tomb was because he wasn't there long enough to have us commemorate it. In addition, number 10, Jesus' followers worshiped him as God. Those who were first followers of Jesus, they were devout religious Jewish people. They knew that the first two commandments were that there's only one God and you worship him alone. And after Jesus rose from death, they worshiped Jesus as their only God. And if they were wrong, they knew that they would be sentenced by God to a painful eternity in hell. These are not decisions that devout people make lightly, but they had all of the evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God who forgave sin and conquered death. In addition, number 11, Jesus' family worshiped him as God. I come from a big family. I'm the oldest of five kids, three boys, two girls. Like Jesus, my dad's name is Joseph and he was a carpenter and construction worker. I'm now a dad, I've got three boys, two girls, and I'll tell you this, it would take a resurrection to get me to worship my brother or to get my brother to worship me. Yet that's exactly what happened with Jesus' devout Jewish brothers. There are two books of the Bible written by Jesus' brothers, James and Jude. Outside of the Bible, he has a third brother named Simon who also became a Bible teaching pastor and numbered among the members of the first early Christians is Jesus' mother Mary, a wonderful, godly, devout woman worshiping her son as her God and as her Lord. What would cause your family to worship you as God and found a religion? I'm assuming it would take at least a resurrection. In addition, number 12, Jesus' followers changed their Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday. Over the course of a few thousand years, God's people had faithfully taken Saturday off as their Sabbath. They did so so that they could worship God as he commanded them to in the 10 Commandments. Upon Jesus' resurrection from death, God's people stopped meeting on Saturday, started meeting on Sunday. That's because that was the day of Jesus' resurrection. That's why Christian churches meet on Sunday. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Jesus on this resurrection Sunday. In addition, number 13, the Christians started practicing what we call the sacraments. These are to remind us of Jesus. Communion reminds us broken body, shed blood, demonstrated with bread and wine. And then baptism shows us his resurrection that as he died and rose, if we trust in him, we will rise to be with and like him. Number 14, some of Jesus' most bitter enemies became his worshipers and his followers. Among them is a man that we now know as Paul. Originally, his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a man who was the equivalent of a religious terrorist. He hated Christ and Christianity. He persecuted Christians. He actually put Christians to death and under arrest. Yet, he experience the risen Jesus. And as a result, he went from one who hated Christ and Christians to being one who preached Christ to Christians. How do you explain one of the most ardent opponents of Christianity becoming its most ardent defender apart from the resurrection? You cannot, but that is the explanation. In addition, Number 15, Jesus' resurrection was recorded shortly after it occurred. I'm a Bible teacher. I've been preaching the Bible for about half of my adult life as a senior pastor. i preached through or taught through about half of the books of the New Testament. And some will say that the story of Jesus' resurrection was added long after the days of the disciples. That's not true. Two of the earliest books in the New Testament are Mark and also 1 Corinthians, they were written within a few years of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and return to heaven. There was not significant time to allow some legend to accrue. In addition, it says that many of the eyewitnesses were still alive and they were publicly verifying the facts that they had testified to. In addition, number 16, Jesus' resurrection is unique in history. You need to know that Jesus alone defeats death. The you and I right now, we're in a globe that is gripped with fear because we are facing this enemy of death. There is only one who has ultimately, eternally, completely, and fully defeated that foe. His name is Jesus Christ. And in the history of the world, there is no one else that has this claim. In addition, other religions find this, or at least did previously and historically, to be something undesirable. I'll read briefly. There was a study done by a man named N.T. Wright, He is a scholar of the first regard. He studied at Oxford and taught at St. Andrews. He wrote a big book called The Resurrection of the Son of God. It is likely the most thorough book written on the historical thoughts regarding resurrection. And he looks at all of the ancient Greek philosophers and comes to the conclusion that not only did they disbelieve in a resurrection, they found it to be something that was undesirable. For them, the body that we possess is bad. The soul within us is good. The goal is to get rid of the body Body and not to have a resurrection. In the same way, if you buy a product and it comes in packaging, you're not devoted to the packaging. Your goal is to dispose of the packaging so that you could enjoy whatever the item is. That is how they viewed the human body. So some would say that Christians borrowed the concept of resurrection from Greek philosophers and other mythology. The truth is they borrowed it from Christianity. The New Testament was written before many of these myths came into existence. Uh, Number 17, Jesus' resurrection is verified by history. I know I'm covering a lot, but it's because this is the most important fact in the history of the world. If Jesus is alive, that changes everything. If Jesus is dead, then that changes everything. There is a historian outside of the Bible. Some of you will say that you don't believe the Bible because you're not Christians or because you have some sort of criticism. I understand that. I had that same mindset until I studied the Bible for myself, and I would encourage you to do the same. But there is an ancient historian named Josephus. He lived just a few years after Jesus died and rose, and he writes this. And he himself was not a Christian. There lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was one who wrought surprising feats. He did miracles. He was the Christ. When Pilate, that was the political leader in that day, upon hearing him accused by men had condemned him to be crucified, those who had in the first place come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared to them restored to life for the prophets of God had prophesied these and countless other marvelous things about him. And the tribe of Christians so called after him has still to this day not disappeared. This non-Christian historian says in the Old Testament, it said that some guy was gonna come and die and rise. And then this guy showed up named Jesus and he did all of these miracles, it was incredible. He was a man, but we're not even sure we can call him a man because he did things that men could not do. And then he was arrested by a political leader, and then he was sentenced to death. And then three days later, he came back, and that's why we have Christians who love him so much. The moral of the story is, in a world filled with bad news, there is good news. In a world filled with things that are not true, you can trust this truth. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ lived without sin. Jesus Christ died for your sin. Jesus Christ rose to defeat death, and Jesus Christ awaits you on the other side of this life. In addition, number 18, Jesus' church has stood the test of time. At some point, we will reopen our churches. We will recommission the worship of Jesus. We will continue to be the people of God. For a few thousand years, Christianity has exploded on the earth. The biggest movement of any sort or kind in the history of the world is the Christian church. It has more languages, more nations, and more generations than any movement in the history of the world. Every effect has a cause. If Jesus is dead, how do you explain Christianity? How do you explain? Easter Sunday, how do you explain those who love Jesus around the world and have for thousands of years? In addition, number 19, Jesus is alive. Right now, he's ruling and reigning in heaven. He will come again to establish a kingdom that never ends. When he was done with this world, everything was very good. There was no sickness, there was no suffering, and there was no death. Jesus will come again to fix everything that we have made broken and stained. And ultimately the good news is this, that he is still alive and changing lives. He changed my life at the age of 19. I met Jesus at the age of 19. Every day with Jesus has been better. I have been teaching about Jesus for 25 years, and I have met zero people who have met Jesus and regret meeting Jesus. I'm telling you, he still forgives sin, he still gives hope, he still loves people, he still answers prayer, and he is still a good friend to us all. Lastly, Jesus' resurrection, number 20, defies any alternate explanation. I would say that the burden of proof on the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus is on those who would discount it or dismiss it. If Jesus didn't rise from death, then what alternative explanation can there possibly be to explain all of these lines of evidence? There were religious leaders that converted. There were men of great character. There were women of sincere motives who all testified that they saw Jesus risen from death, surveying all of the historical record. Thomas Arnold says he is a former professor of modern history at Oxford. No one fact in the history of mankind is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Let me just say this. As a pastor, I'm very sorry for all that you are experiencing. Uh, A friend of mine texted me the other night and, and his family was trying to put words on what we are feeling. Some of you, it would be fear. Some of you, it would be anxiety. For all of us, I think it would be loss, loss. We're all experiencing financial loss, emotional loss, relational loss, personal loss. Well, is there any hope? There has to be some hope. Right now, the whole world is facing this one reality that we are mortal, that our life comes to an end. This is not because of God. This is because of us, and this is because of our sin against God. The God is the living God and when we disobey him, we bring death. But the good news is that even though we bring death, God is still the living God and he brings life. I need you to know that even when they find a cure, and I am praying that they do as soon as possible to save and extend as many lives as we possibly can. But even when we're on the other side of this, you just need to know that at some point, your life, my life, our lives are going to come to an end. And the question that is so incredibly important is as we are dealing with our problems, how do we deal with that biggest problem? Let me say this, let Jesus deal with your biggest problem, death, eternal life, what awaits you on the other side of the grave? Since there's only one who has passed through death and return to tell us what awaits us on the other side, Trust in him, follow him because what awaits you on the other side is a person named Jesus Christ with a place called heaven that is prepared for you to be with him in perfect health together forever. This is the hope of the Christian and what it does, it frames all of our suffering. And I would just plead with you, if you've not received Jesus, if you've not trusted Jesus, if you have not welcomed Jesus into your life, you need to right now that he is the only solution for your greatest problem, and then he will help you with all of your other problems. I'll close with uh, a story from John chapter 11. There was a woman, her brother, whom she loved very much, she passed away and died. And she was grieving and mourning and probably experiencing a bit of anxiety and concern about her own mortality in life. Jesus came to her and had a conversation with her. And he said to her this, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. On Easter Sunday, as the sun arose, the son of God arose. Before he did, he promised that he would rise from death. The one who believes in me will live. My question to you is, do you believe in Jesus? Even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Never die, never die. The worst thing, friend, is not to die. It's to die without knowing Jesus. The Bible says, if you know Jesus, to live is Christ, to die is gain, that to die and to be with Christ is far better. I love my life, I have so much to look forward to. I have a great family, but I know this, the worst thing that can happen to me is not to die, but to die not knowing Jesus. And I just promise you this, every day I have a peace that surpasses understanding. I have a comfort and a hope, because I know that Jesus has taken care of my biggest problem, and no matter what, I will be with him, and so will those people that I love so dearly, starting with my wife and kids. And then he asked her this question, Do you believe in this? Friend, here's all you need to do, and you can do so right now, either in your mind or your heart or articulating with your voice. Just pray to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, I am a sinner. Lord Jesus, I need help. Lord Jesus, I fear death. Lord Jesus, I give you my sin. I welcome you as my savior. I will follow you as my Lord. Lord Jesus, help me with my biggest problem and help me with all the other problems that I have along the way. Lift my burdens, heal my hurts. Please lessen my fears and give me your joy. Friend, if you would pray that, he would answer that. He would save you. And this is the most important decision you will ever make and the one decision you will never regret.